I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. San Francisco closes the facility. This is the Thursday night game. Their line has gone against them. Green Bay was five and a half, now six and a half. That is Thursday night. The election has betting odds entering yesterday's voting. Biden was 70 percent. At his low point in this roller coaster, he was as low as 20 percent. Now Biden, 85 percent. Those are the odds. Three big games of the week in the NFL. Bears plus five and a half at Tennessee. Baltimore, two and a half favored at Indy. Saints, five-point dogs at Tampa Bay. That's the big three. We'll look at those in the next hour and so much more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live on a Thursday, live from Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Full house around the wise guy round table, Steve Fezzik and Maddie Holt, usintegrity.com, bringing the book, the former bookmaker's perspective. Sports bettors listen for the money. He's still sympathetic to them. <laughs> Sports fans to know more than their buddies. That's why they listen. We're the pros. He's the Joe in Los Angeles, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we are still trying to find out who won the election in total. And we've got some positive COVID tests making the news in the NFL. What is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday? Yeah, you know, we pride ourselves that we'll give you the odds, not our personal opinions. And just to repeat those one more time, is entering yesterday's voting, Biden was 70% or so. And at the low point of Biden, high point for Trump, it was 80% Trump's chances. And you could bet 100000 on that without too much trouble. Big money bet on this. And then now 85%. And that's been going up throughout the day. So the Vegas lead, I think it's got to be, especially off of Thursday night, is the COVID situation in San Francisco. Yeah, and the Packers were down a couple of running backs because of a COVID issue, and now the Niners have shut down their facility today after a positive test, and there is more testing that is happening. The game, though, is still a go, according to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. Okay, so here's my question to the handicappers, the analysts, Matty Holt and Steve Fezzik. Would you guys agree with the following mm, hypothesis? That's just a fancy, an idea I've got. <laughs> that we have undervalued the COVID effect. That if you went back and studied these games and said, which games have had a COVID effect? The theory is the market accounts for it. Meaning I'm not talking about something happened and you bet early and beat. The, I'm saying once the information settled, that the market has underpriced, has underconsidered COVID and 
it's myriad of potential effects. Players missing, practice time missing, missed, uh, travel complications, all the factors, we aren't contemplating them enough. Hypothesis, what do you think, Matt Holt? I am actually on the other side of this because look at early in the – I mean, it's a small sample size. We don't have a lot of examples to choose from, but we we go back to the first one that we had. Minnesota had to shut down the facilities. Kirk Cousins, oh, it's going to affect them. Mispractices. Vikings came out and had one of their better performances. Tennessee Titans, all that COVID, finally got to play a game. Now, let's question that one because I would make the case that the Bills were in a worse spot, and that that was the game that was played on Tuesday – Right. And the thing I thought, and you're a Bills fan, was the Bills on even Monday morning didn't know if they were going to play the Titans on Tuesday or if they play Kansas City on Thursday. That to me was bigger than the Tennessee negative. Agree. But the COVID negative, the actual well, COVID. I, but impact. that was the aftermath of it, I guess. Because, I mean, why would the Bills not? But know? aren't we talking for COVID impact mispractices and misplayers? And in this case, rescheduled games for the Bills. Why was the games rescheduled or potentially was because of COVID? Well, then maybe you. What we're saying is the market doesn't know how to price it because I think it's overpricing. It's over, or at least over analog. Remember in that game, the Bills went to three and a half on the road at Tennessee. And I don't think, and I listen, I fell into the same trap. I didn't see how tough it would be for the Bills. I saw the Tennessee factor. So I think the Tennessee factor was substantial. I think the Bills factor was even bigger in that game. I think the teams that have COVID are being, it's it's being overvalued. Think of the Vikings, the Titans, the teams that have missed practices. And we go, oh my goodness, how are they going to perform? For the most part, other than the Patriots, They've performed well. Patriots, but I would make the case in, in the Raiders against Tampa Bay, right? Is, yeah, they I'm, fell apart really in the second half. What's your thought, Fess? You know, I think more the long-term implications, like maybe Minnesota and Tennessee had one good game, but look at these teams, both of them really scuffling. So I think instead of just looking at the very first game after. But there's no – it's like saying, again, if you're chewing gum and the car starts, that's why it's starting, is I think Minnesota – by the way, I think or we that might Casper be, still has mono. <laughs> <laughs> we might we might be overvaluing the whole minute. Minnesota missed two practices. They didn't have a. Co- if we're not going to count the Bills as being an ancillary effect of COVID because Tennessee had it, then how do we count Minnesota who didn't have any even scare? It was just because the team they had played, right? Fair, had, fair enough. I'm thinking New England also seems well, to I think have long term. New England is the one. New England and Cam, and I would make the case is the one case that you could say, huh, not only did it potentially affect them in that game against Denver, did it affect Cam ever since? Mm -hmm. I heard someone today saying Cam has not physically looked the same since he had the COVID diagnosis, and supposedly it was asymptomatic with Cam, meaning no symptoms. So what I'm going to go to Jonas, what I'm seeing here to kind of recap it is we've got the direct effects of the teams. And Maddie's saying the teams that they say they've got COVID or there's a scare, maybe it's being properly assessed or maybe even overvalued. I don't agree with that, but I think you're closer to being right that it's proper. The ancillary effects, as in they're not exactly COVID-related, but they're because of well, they are COVID-related because they're cause of COVID, but it's not about the illness, right? And the bills would have been an example of that. Etc. That's one I think maybe is being undervalued. We don't see as clearly those effects until maybe after the fact. Finally, and Cam's maybe the one example of this, what is the physical effects of those who get it? How quickly? They might be allowed to play in 10 days, but how well are they going to play? Sure. 
And, I mean, in theory, that Andy Dalton situation is going to be one in which when he comes back, how is he going to be affected? Because he wasn't all that good beforehand. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. Jonas, your thoughts overall on the way the betting market's reacting to COVID or COVID-related issues? I actually think that there's a little bit of an overreaction. We forget that teams deal with the flu every single year. And a lot of times what they and, and I've talked to former players about it who will say, yeah, when there's a flu bug that goes around the locker room, they'll have guys in different places, guys that have been next to people or guys that have the flu or are separated. So you don't get the rest of the team sick. So I feel like the NFL has been had experience dealing with this, maybe not to this extent with the testing and whatnot, but I I think that they've dealt with this before, so I think there's a little bit of an overreaction when we see a positive test and maybe guys missing practice. And anyone that listens to Jonas knows he's not making a political statement because there is that where on the right some people are, oh, it's the flu, and on the left it's like, oh, it's so much worse than the flu. Yeah, you're just saying in general, here's a contagious illness. Yes. And we're straight out of Vegas. Detroit Lions, they got Stafford on the reserve COVID list, but... He had close contact with a non-team member that came from Shafter, or Shafter, Shafty Shafter. And we'll see. It looks like he'll be eligible to play on Sunday, but he won't even be able to travel with the team till Saturday, and we'll see what the tests say. Baltimore Ravens, cornerback Humphrey, tested positive. There's seven defensive players on the list due to close contacts. San Francisco, we discussed, and that's a positive test for wide receiver Bourne. I think, uh, is that the cousin of Jason? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't mess with him. I know that much. And uh, Packers, actually, A.J. Dillon. He used to manage the Four Horsemen. J.J. J.J. Dillon. J.J. Dillon. All right. Boy, we didn't get much there. I thought we had some Four Horsemen fan. You were a Four Horsemen fan, right, Jonas? <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I had to think for a second. Was it <laughs> A.J.? I wasn't oh, I, sure. I, 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 so I, I'm almost like, uh, who's the comedian <laughs> that he, he became kind of conservative? He used to do Monday Night Football. Um, oh, um, Dennis Miller. Yeah, he's got yeah. those references. Like yes. you, you've got to w- watch every TV show in the 70s and, and actually know the director. I mean, it's impressive. I don't know most of the names. Saints has Sanders actually removed from the, the list, the COVID list, and the Bears have a reserve offensive tackle. A lot of teams. And you know what? The reason I thought of this topic about the whole is it being undervalued is initially when there was a guy put on the list. It was like flashing red lights. Yes. It was like, "Mm, you know, listen up, everyone. Announcement, the third string guard might have it. (laughs) Now it seems like there's, you know, as we said, one, two, three, four, five, six teams with COVID potential issues not getting as much attention. And two teams on Thursday night with issues, and there's been no talk of even a postponement. It's like, hey, you're playing. It's not only... Is the NFL moving ahead? It's that the news, it's just not as newsworthy, at least in the eyes of the producers, as it was, which I think we got to keep a close eye on it because it's going to affect things at least as much as before. Not saying more, but as much. But if it's not getting reported as much, it's the Zen question of a tree falling in the forest. If there's a COVID diagnosis and it's not reported too much, does it happen? Yes, it does. Any closing thoughts, Matty? 
No, I think some of it uh, uh, more to the point than how it's going to affect everyone is is how it affects wagering windows all of a sudden. We saw with Matthew Stafford this week where that game is off the board, and we don't even know if he has COVID, if you know if he's going to be able to play. Uh, I, I think the one big— And that's what, a, a six, seven-point adjustment probably? Fez? I think it's got to be at least six. Yeah, Daniels, one second. Stafford— Finish your point, Manny. That the wagering windows and and it leaves a lot of uncertainty with the books where they don't get the natural buildup that they would through that six day cycle now with some of these so many of these games being off the board every week I think for four straight weeks we've had at least two games off the board for at least three straight days. Chase Daniels is his backup. He's my eleventh best backup. Four and a half points. Okay, you got any other numbers to throw at us? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's like, and I did this analysis at 2.33 a.m. on October 13th. All right, here's what we'll do. And I think Matt brings up a good point to finish the subject. A lot of people say, RJ, how could you ever bet the day before the game? Until at least the day, if not the day of the game. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, you don't know who's going to get hurt. You don't know what the weather's going to be. Last week there was a ton of... And I say, you're right, but the side I'm betting, the other side has just as much chance of a, a negative event. The weather could go to my favor. It could go to my disfavor. The question is, why bet early? Well, early because there's less professionals, that, or at least the biggest syndicates, you wait until the limits increase. So the earlier you bet, the better chance you have to win. That is just unequivocally true because the line gets more accurate it's a mathematical fact that you take the Sunday line, or let's say even the line at post, as they say, right when the game starts. That is the most accurate line there's going to be. And every day you go back, mathematically, is less accurate. So the more risk you're willing to take of uncertainty, the better chance you have to win. The caveat is, this year with COVID, there's so much more uncertainty doesn't mean you don't bet early. Just understand there is going to be more variance because there's another factor that could go one way or the other, and it could go for you or against you. When we come back, I do want to look at the Green Bay Packers. Here's the question. They didn't take any skilled playmakers early in the draft. They didn't take any playmakers during the trade deadline. Was that a mistake? And what does it say about what the Packers think of their own team? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a closer look at one of the favorites in the NFC. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Green Bay Packers and what are the what's the management telling us about them? I think it's telling us something noteworthy. Also, there's been a couple new states added to the list of legalized gambling. We got Matty Holt with us. Great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. And we promise to keep working extra hard to have the best football season yet. You can listen on foxsportsradio.com. They're streaming there, or you can go there and find the local station that's closest to you in your area. Right here in Las Vegas, on the Strip, 86 degrees. The neon is flowing. So, RJ, the Green Bay Packers coming off a disappointing performance against the Minnesota Vikings last Sunday, find themselves on the road at the 49ers on Thursday Night Football. Right now on pregame.com, they're a six-point favorite. 
it's one of my basic tenets. It's one of my strongest beliefs. And I think it's a real opportunity to know things that everyone doesn't know. I love that. I love knowing things others don't know. Secret society. I've never been in a secret society, but I've wanted to be. (laughs) I believe the teams tell us what they think of their team. Think about the trading deadline. If you're selling off, if you're the Chargers, a team that has had, what is it, four straight games with a 16-point-plus lead? Yes. That at some point after having a 16-point lead, they were trailing in the game, <laughs> losing many of those games? You would think, man, we're so good. If only we had had this break and that break. We're going to fight, 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 make the wild card. There's seven now, you heard. Okay. Except they're selling. They let go of one of, at least by pro football focus, one of the best D-backs in the league to Tennessee, who was buying. You know what we know? Tennessee thinks they can do something. Or at least they have motivation to try. And Chargers are thinking, yeah, we'd ra- we want to win this year, but we're okay if we don't because we got next year. And we got that seventh-round pick or whatever they got. And they might have been higher. Mackenzie, what did they get for Chargers for that D-back? Fifth round conditional pick. Yes. So pretty much a seven. So, <laughs> so Green Bay is a team, there's a lot of discussion. They didn't do anything. You remember, not doing something is doing something. You're choosing not to do something. Now, the 49ers did something. And Matt, I think this was a real, real interesting move that the Westgate made. One of the sharper books in town. And when I say a sharp book, what I mean is they take bets from pros and thus they're on top of it, right? They're not, a lot of, some books are like, listen, we're not taking a lot of sharp action. We'll let the other books do that and we'll adjust the line as they adjust it. Let them lead the way. Westgate's willing to be out there out front more. And I respect that. But you can tell when they make a move, sometimes it goes against what everyone else is doing a little bit, especially in futures. So San Francisco was 40 to 1 after Jimmy G was hurt and Kittle. And then they made a trade. They took their uh, a very talented linebacker, Alexander, who doesn't live up to potential all that often, it seems, got traded to the Saints. So Saints upgraded. It's like, wait a minute. Why would the 49ers be selling right now? It's because the 49ers have cap issues. And we talked about COVID affecting play on the field. COVID will affect next year's play even more. Even if there's a vaccine tomorrow, COVID's going to affect next year. Why? Because the cap is going down when it usually goes up, and a lot of teams are going to be selling. I mean, gutting their team. The Falcons are an example you hear a lot about. Steelers got a lot of moves to make, potentially. I think Big Ben's $40 million on the cap next year. It's a big number, 40 sticks. So to me, the 49ers doing this now it's kind of smart, but it is them admitting we don't think this is our year. And the Westgate, Matt, they actually took them from 40 to 1 to 80 to 1 when no game had been played, no injuries in that. So it was like they looked at that move and said, and they must, you know, not be heavy on them. They wouldn't mind a bet or two, maybe. But, and the market really didn't move. That, how rare do you think that is that there's some news? It's not prominent news. Most of the books ignore it. One book takes it seriously, 
and significant and makes a major move like that, 40 to 1 to 81 on the, on the 49ers being downgraded. Pretty rare, and it's actually pretty rare to see moves going that much <laughs> against the market to the better's favor, 80 yeah. to 1, um, because the, the odds in the futures market don't get better throughout the year. Yeah, and, and it's it, it's because the whole percentage is not obvious. It's almost like when you used to go to Dairy Queen and there was no calories. Yeah, give me uh, a peanut buster parfait, and when I'm waiting... A quick a cone, please. <laughs> but it's pretty good when I'm waiting. Yeah. But <laughs> I got mad to laugh in there. That took a lot. But <laughs> but once you see, wait a minute, that cone is 400, and the peanut butter part that can't be right. Right? That's how people think. <laughs> if you see minus 110, minus 110, you understand 20 cent straddle. That's a normal. But if it's minus 150 plus 110, it's like why is there a 40 cent straddle? Well, in the future odds, you can't see the straddle effectively, right? Correct. Or the, the, and thus, by them improving odds, they're hurting their handle. Or, or I'm sorry, the whole percentage. Their theoretical hold, yeah. But give them credit, right? Because there is a backlash when a book is like got six teams at three to one or something. You know, it's like, is people really will, you know, if, if viscerally it seems wrong, they'll reject it and get mad at the book. And I actually like that. You know, I remember Caesar, and again, this was probably two management groups ago, had some real bad future odds. You remember that, Steve? Yeah, I think they were taking 60%. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. Is a, a million dollars is bet. They say, give us the 600000 for safekeeping, and you're never going to see it again. And then we'll split up the 400000 amongst the winners. Though, if you bet 11 to 10, which is the way that is almost impossible to beat unless you're very good... Right? Gamblers don't win. The house always wins. Well, most of the betting is 11 to 10, which is less than 5%. So, let me see. 12 times as much hold. Now, the usual, the good books take 20, 25 in the future pools. Yeah, 18 to 22 is the target. Which one does 18? Book. I want to see that. I mean, that was our target at Cantor, 18 to 22. But you just couldn't make that target, could you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my goal weight. Uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> I'm straight out of it. See, silence can often tell a big story. Now, Jonas, you are a better, but a fan first and a casual fun batter. A lot of live betting expertise <laughs> is... Do, when you play futures, do you look at it and, and make any assessment of the general payoff and aggregate as being fair, or do you just care about the team you're looking at? Yeah, I just care about the team that I'm looking at, but I found myself with you know the so many options in game betting and so many immediate gratification bets that are out there that I don't do a lot of futures just because I don't want to wait that long to try and win my bet. Oh, now there's some honesty there, baby. People yeah. love that quick re lightning round, baby. <laughs> That's Jonas Knox. We're straight out of Vegas. Okay. So, do you agree, Fez, and we're talking early here, the 49ers and Green Bay, do you agree that that's a bad sign for the 49ers? Obviously, losing Kittle, obviously Jimmy G, but not that Alexander on the field means that much, but the psychology of the team. I agree, absolutely, because who, Quan Alexander, half a point, not a big deal, but a message half to the team. Half a point? Yeah, he's yeah. not even a half a point, I don't Did, think. Yeah, at most. I want to see this mythical list of the half points. Yes, but you're sending a memo to your team, hey... This is not a priority this year. We're four and four. I think it's more than that. You're right. There is the effect of do, does the owners or does the management seem to care? Do they, it's also them saying we know how good we are. Right? Remember when the Steelers 
and we talked about this recently. They were 0-2, I think it was. They were going to play at San Fran, and Big Ben was out for the year, and they traded their first pick next year, the year that would be based on the record from then on, mm-hmm. for Fitzpatrick. Now, they must have re- Now we know two things. They thought Fitzpatrick was awesome, which he's turned out to be more than that, and they thought they could win without Big Ben. Now, I thought it was optimism for Mason Rudolph. I hope it wasn't, <laughs> just as a Steelers fan. <laughs> but in general, they made a bet. That, that was the Steelers telling us, we are going to be okay this year. And if we could have bet the over-under wins at that point, it probably would have been, what, six, five and a half? I mean, the Steelers, when Big Ben goes down? Yeah, five and a half. I would have probably wanted to bet the over there because the Steelers were telling us we're not going to win five games because we wouldn't trade that pick for Fitzpatrick. And that effort level in that San Francisco game was just incredible by the Steelers. They came up a little bit short, but they played their hearts out after that trade. Yeah, so that's an example of the team telling you what they think, and then your point is the players responding to what the team brass is saying. Well, the 49ers team brass knows their team. Shanahan's a good coach, one of the best young coaches. And they're saying, we can let go of a guy now because it's really not going to matter. That's what I see, and that's what the Westgate saw, and their odds went from 40-1, to the 49ers, to 80-1. to Now let's shift gears and talk Green Bay. What did the Green Bay staff say? And I'm going to ask a roundtable quick answer on this. What did they say by not drafting a offensive weapon in the draft early. Well, maybe an offensive weapon, but one that hasn't got on the field yet and is redundant with Aaron Rodgers. But for for 2020, what were they saying? Because I think there's a couple possibilities. One is, we don't think we're a contender. 13-3 and was a fugazi. And why play for now when now doesn't matter as much? Let's draft for the future. Jordan Love. Rodgers is pretty much done. That could have been thought one. Thought two was, we're so good, we don't need it. We can play for the future and still compete for a Super Bowl this year. Hmm. I don't know what else it could have been. Because if you think you're close, Fez just looked at Matt like, what are you going to (laughs) say? If if you think you're close and you're the Packers, don't you – I mean, it's like trading for – it's like – Remember, with the 49ers got Dion, right? Is at some point you think you're one piece away. Mm-hmm. And the Bills ended up trading for what Watson. Remember, they thought they were one receiver away, like eight years ago, whatever. But trading to go up in the draft, if I recall. I, I think when you think you're close, you, you get more assets that can help you now. But if you think you're so good, you don't need it. Like Kansas City didn't make any late trades here because they figured they're good enough and there was nothing out there for them necessarily. And right? why disrupt chemistry as well? Yeah. So you can either think you're so good you don't need it, or you can think you're close and you need it, or you could think you're so far away it doesn't matter. Faz, what do you think that Green Bay was saying with the drafting of Jordan Love? I think they didn't feel they were close at all. I think they really thought they were far away. They'd just gotten their butts kicked by Green Bay in the playoffs. Second yeah, by straight, San Fran, yes. Yeah. By San Fran, 37-20. to 20. Second time they got rolled. And I think the feeling was, you know what? This isn't going to work. So look at the players drafted after Jordan Love. Is Hilaire, obviously from Kansas City. Higgins from Cincinnati. Swift, the running back from Detroit. Jonathan Taylor. And 
How do you pronounce that name? Cole Komet. Komet. That's an interesting name. I've heard the name. I haven't. I guess I should have figured that one out. Does anyone disagree with Faz that it was pessimism from Green Bay in the draft that led to Jordan Love? Pessimism that they were true contenders in 2020. Does anyone disagree with that? No. no All no. right. Now, what does it say after that hot start that they didn't make a move of the trading deadline? Because it could be again, oh, we're so good, we don't need it. Or, you know what? This is a Fugazi again. We're not that good. We're not true competitors. We're not going to sell by expensive now. Because it is expensive to buy at the deadline. Matt, what do you think is the message there? I don't like to read into these too much. Well, then sometimes. this probably isn't. You shouldn't be answering the question. Yeah, just because I, I don't. It's hard to get trades done. So because but they haven't got like one done. They weren't done. trying that hard because you get the reports when it's close, right? I mean, maybe. I, I mean, I the rumor is they were. Tra- I mean, what did you hear about the effort level, Jonas? Will Fuller out of uh, Houston was the guy they were for a second to trade rounder, for. right? Yeah. yeah, but they couldn't come to terms. They just couldn't come to an agreement, so they weren't willing to part with whatever Houston's asking price was for Will Fuller. The rumor I heard was second rounder, and they balked at it. So I don't know. What do you think? It seems like the, to me, it seems obviously the same thing. They're saying don't let those games fool you. Yeah, absolutely. Because with Will Fuller, I mean that really helps the Packers and would make them seemingly a contender but the Packers know better than anyone and they're like nah we'll go with one wide receiver but hasn't it been so hard for everyone across the league don't you think we get less trades at the trade deadline than we used to overall you know that's less at least less meaningful ones my sense is and Jonas is the type that follows this closely is for a long time there was nothing and then there in the last three or four years it has felt a little bit more active this year though the exception What, what do you think Jonas Yeah, and I also heard Jay Glazer make a point this past Sunday where he said because of the COVID rules, when you trade for somebody, they would have to stay away for a certain amount of time. And so because there wasn't going to be that immediate help for them to be available in the first or possibly second game that you acquired them, why would they want to give up a, a bunch of picks for a guy? So A.B. was an example of that. So it was going to be generally you're going to miss a game. So you trade for them. Um... Now, again, A.B. got signed last week, but if you had traded for him this week, and remember, if they had COVID already, they could play right away. But if they didn't, it was pretty much skip that first game play. So you're going to, instead of getting them for eight games, you get them for seven, right? So, but you think right. about it, one, it's at 12.5% of the yield this year pre playoffs is gone because of that protocol around COVID. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. Matt LaFleur, here's the quote. I don't know if anything ever got that serious about any trade. Now, again, who knows if that's PR. I guess, in a way, he'd want to say they were close and they just couldn't do it. The other side was so resist. You know, I don't know. But it is interesting that Houston was looking to get rid of him, that he was able to be had Will Fuller, who we know statistically is so vital to Watson. When he's out, Fez... Houston struggles on offense. Oh, big time. And we, we saw when he wasn't 100% the first four games for Houston. So the fact they were willing to part with Fuller, the Texans, for a second rounder, says the Texans get it over. And I know that the record says they should, but boy, that might be demor- demoralizing for the team, at least in this week, mm. too. A lot of factors this week. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. Breaking news. The line is back up in the Detroit, Minnesota. Minnesota at home was favored by four, now favored by five. So the implication is Stafford will play. 
but they're thinking there's some lingering potential effects of his absence, not practicing, whatever, caused the line to go up. Minnesota favored by five. But the market's telling us he's going to play. When we come back, speaking of this weekend, the three biggest games of the week previewed Vegas style. That's coming up next. But first, straight out of Vegas, wants to tell you that AutoZone is America's number one battery destination. No matter what battery problems you're dealing with, you could find your battery solution at AutoZone. Next time you're having starting trouble, start at AutoZone. America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone. AutoZone. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., it is a tradition here on Straight Out of Vegas. We take a look at the three biggest games on Wednesday every single week in the NFL, Vegas style. And we're going to start in Nashville, where right now the Titans are a six-point favorite hosting the Bears on pregame.com. Taking up, taking up. So, Fez, you've been pessimistic on Tennessee. You've been a seller. I think you've been right. Obviously, two straight losses. What do you think of this game? I think Tennessee is to be avoided. Look at that loss to Cincinnati. They lose by 11 points. I can make the case. They got a lot of breaks in that game. Cincinnati, three linemen, their three best linemen, did not play. And the weather was bad. And yet the Bengals still put 31 up on that overrated Tennessee defense. Yeah, I agree. And they did make a move. So in the whole idea of teams telling us something, Tennessee was a buyer on defense. They got a very highly regarded corner, at least pro football focus, King. And based upon the COVID protocols changing teams, they're optimistic he can play this week. So I think that's worth looking at. But the sign, the buy sign is meaningful regardless. That makes me at least give a little check mark to Tennessee. Jonas, quickly, though, you thought they needed a pass rusher more and they fell short there. Yeah, they haven't been able to rush the passer all season long. They're one of the worst in the league. There's a reason they were bidding for Jadevian Clowney and got into a bidding war that late in the process before the season. I think they recognize that they've got an issue rushing the passer. I think they got an issue with that Clowney contract. Here's a little trivia question real quick. Who's the two starting quarterbacks that have more than one win but are undefeated this year? Undefeated. Big Ben? And Mitchell Trubisky, 3-0 as a starter. <laughs> RJ, the Baltimore Ravens had a tough loss to your Pittsburgh Steelers last Sunday, and now they find themselves on the road at the Colts, but two-and-a-half-point favorites on pregame.com. What was tough about it, Jonas? When justice is served, it's not <laughs> tough. It's justice. <laughs> we think they're... Steve Fezzik. I think a good matchup for the Indianapolis defense that's really good at stopping the run. <laughs> Darius, Darius Leonard is back, and he's making an impact as well. And i got to stop you. Jonas, this is hilarious. So Matt runs a company, right? I, I mean, literally, like, got 15 employees. He comes in generously, does this, does our podcast— And he doesn't get to handicap every game like this early in the week. He's like, you know, I haven't really looked at these games. I go, don't worry about it. He pops his head up right before the commercial was over, and he says, I got one thing. It's on the Colts rushing defense. (laughs) I go, great, we'll get it to you. I throw it to Faz. He's like, well, you got to talk Colts rushing. I mean, what is wrong with you? Did you hear what he said? 
No. Oh, okay. Finish your point quickly. <laughs> and, well, and Darius Leonard makes that defense even better, and Baltimore's down their best linemen. So good matchup for the Colts to be able to stuff Baltimore. Anything else, Matt? No, that was pretty much it. Uh, I mean, we look, we, we talked about it last week with the Pittsburgh game where what does Baltimore do when they can't run the football against the great rush defense? Same thing here. Indianapolis, number, uh, number two in the NFL, only allowing 3.4 yards per rush. Now, Billy Walters, the famous batter, everyone used to want his picks. They still do. I don't know how active he is. And what he used to do is put out fake picks where he'd give it to who he thought the leak was and it was the wrong pick. And then when he saw the line move, he'd be like, okay, I know who the leak is. And he won't tell he wouldn't tell him that he knew. And he'd keep with Feds, we should have a conversation that's wrong. Yeah. Like give him the wrong info and have him like try to say <laughs> that will be hilarious. That'd be a good one. <laughs> My thought on this is this Baltimore and the Harbaugh's, they tend to come back after losses. He's a focused guy, he's energetic, you know, kind of intense, I guess is the better word. I believe, though, if Lamar doesn't throw the ball more in the games that they're dominating, I don't know how he's going to get better. I, we actually talked about that yesterday. We got it on video, and it's a really good video, a little two-minute synopsis at RJ in Vegas. It was my last tweet if you want to see my take on how Lamar, how Lamar Jackson will be able to improve. All right, last one on our three biggest games and our preview here on Straight Out of Vegas. We go to Sunday Night Football in the NFC South, where the Bucks are hosting the Saints. Tampa Bay, a five and a half point favorite. To me, the contrast, Fez, between Game One and this game is the story. So in New Orleans, the line in the game was what four and a half, maybe four, it four was in that range. Maybe. All right, so that was saying very clearly that. Home field, let's call it two, is the Saints were clearly better than the Tampa Bay Bucks because the line was four? Yes. Right about four. Now it's in Tampa and the line's five. So they're saying not only has it flipped that Tampa's better, but they're saying Tampa is better by more than the Saints were better early in the year. Literally 10 seconds. What do you got, Fez? So New Orleans probably gets back Michael Thomas and Sanders, so at full strength. At wide receiver. Very different team playmaker-wise, the Saints will be. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are straight out of Vegas, back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on FSR. Straight out of Vegas!